We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Tuesday, December 14th edition of the World of NFL Podcast, brought to you by WinBet. I'm Joe Barlow. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports alongside me, as always. Jake Tatarski, you can follow me at Roto Jake. Before we get started, let's get a word from those title sponsors, WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWare, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWare's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sports app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Doris Fantasy Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, Moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round ramen, live betting, and so much more right at your fingertips. If you want to break from sports betting, I don't know why you would, but if you do, head to WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down, blackjack, slam the slots, or try a hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. While rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are Limitless. WinBet is currently offering all WorldWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for WorldWire's fantasy podcast. Jake, it's week 15. We are officially done. It's it's incredible. We are officially done with bye weeks. And for many people, hopefully many listening right now, we have advanced into the first round of the fantasy playoffs. Kudos to you if you have uh, survived the Jonathan Taylor bye week. Uh, like Jake, I know, has and is dominating our dynasty league. Uh, yeah, I had my worst week of the year by a mile. I mean, it was it was rough. <laughs> I cannot believe. I still think they have to change this. Now that was um, well, fortunately and unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, that was my only Jonathan Taylor league. Of course, I wish I would have had more. But uh, but man, to have your best player, the best player in all of fantasy, unavailable when you're trying to make the playoffs in the last week, I was able to overtake the points lead. In one the overall points league, despite an even 500 record, I took the overall points lead this week from the person who had Jonathan Taylor, and uh, you know that, that's a significant cash difference there. So, um, and maybe the NFL, right? yeah, uh, no, there was a differently, differently. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, over it was, uh, it was, it was more of a hometown one, but uh, no, I, I think the NFL's got to do something about that. You know, I said that last week. Uh, I'm sure the players love it, and maybe it'll continue, but you know, they've always accommodated fantasy players in the past, and. Uh, you know, I think they might have to have to do that again. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that I wish we could change from this NFL season. Uh, that being one of them, I think last night actually was another good example of the referees complete, do, completely dominating the game. And I know it worked out. I mean, not dominating, but there was a critical call that missed a face mask on Matthew Stafford mm-hmm. in the third quarter. And we're going to talk about the Monday Night Football game where the Rams helped out the Packers. It feels like the first time ever in the history of the two yeah. franchises that the Packers are able to benefit in some way from the Rams. Uh, by knocking off the Cardinals, Packers now number one seed. You and I were both at that Packers Bears game, uh, and and I talk about the officials again. And I'm not sure there's probably nobody in the NFL listening to this little old podcast right now. But the officiating is horrendous. It, it is it is dramatically affecting my interest in the game. And I go back to the uh, punt return for that Amari Rogers muff for the Packers. I we couldn't see it at the game. We couldn't. They didn't show a replay. Yeah, um, no, I couldn't see it. That guy stepping out. I, I watched the replay on Twitter later. 
I'm not a, a Bears fan by any means. I'm I'm the reverse of that because I'm a Packers fan. That that should not have been called. I mean, there there was absolutely no reason for that to be called. And if the Bears had recovered that ball, uh, muff punt like they should have, the game is completely different. And that is one of 14 or 15 instances I can uh, rattle off on the top of my head where the officiating has completely and dramatically altered the contest. And I, you know, the Bears, that's the second time now with Cassius Marsh getting that uh, 15 yard Olay penalty because the referee bumped into him. I'm, I'm <laughs> fed up. I don't know how they make changes to that next year other than they need to because this is getting embarrassing. And I thought Monday night, again, that missed face mask penalty, another perfect example. Yeah, well, I mean, the missed face mask penalty didn't really alter the game. You know, Could have. Oh, it could have. Yeah, well, I mean, they would. I mean, the Rams would have pulled away further than if, if Stafford had been given another chance. So, I I don't know. Um, it, it is what it is. I mean, officiating is bad every year. It's hard to be an NFL official. I don't have a it's ton of. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really come prepared to to, to merit uh, this year's. NFL I need. NFL I needed to just vent. That's all. Yes, you don't have to be prepared. Yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean, I I just don't really have a strong take on it. It is what it is. It's bad. We expect it to be bad. It continues to be bad. It's a really hard job. I only think. I mean, all they're going to change about it maybe is having someone, uh, you know, not the Skycam or like the New York or the headquarter person being able to make real quick calls and real quick quick correction, corrections, even being able to overrule, uh, you, you know, the head official at a particular game. Uh, you know, maybe something like that is coming, uh, at least to help the speed, because, you know, I'm a little more concerned about the speed than anything. I mean, you're right, these games, when there are 15 penalties aside, it's making it uh, – you know, a little bit unwatchable. You know, it's almost better to watch those uh, game rewinds on NFL where they just, you know, yeah. where they where they rotated enough. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's always a different perspective going to Lambeau, right? I wish uh, I, I forgot to record the game, unfortunately, um, on my YouTube TV. And, uh, I, you know, so I didn't get a chance to rewatch the game yet. But it's a, it's wildly different to watch it from where I am in the north end zone from that mm-hmm. angle uh, compared to the, to the broadcast, the national TV broadcast nonetheless. So uh yeah anyway uh so so we'll talk about monday night i mean uh cooper cup mvp case continues right i mean if i know stafford had an insane game as well too Mm -hmm. he looked dynamic but i think if you are of the opinion that the mvp races uh it it should be allowed for every player it's not just a quarterback driven mvp award then i think cooper cup is is well on i mean 13 catches right 120 yards had that nice touchdown. There was a couple of critical catches late in that contest that really like all of his, his catches were big. There were third and yeah, you know, third, he had to convert a third down, had to get that touchdown. And uh, you know, Stafford went to him and he trusts him and he continues to trust him. He's averaging something around 24, 25 fantasy points per game. You know, the most consistent fantasy player. The real life MVP is a quarterback award. We know that by now. It's quarterback of the year. You know, there's that that's not going to change, but uh, we can at least give him the fantasy MVP trophy him or him or Jonathan Taylor, of course, and uh, and relish in that. Um, the Rams played well, despite being very shorthanded. I mean, there's kind of a COVID outbreak there. Henderson, who was already banged up, didn't play. Um, you know, we, Tyler we Higby, Jalen yeah, Ramsey, also Higby, Jalen Ramsey, all those guys. So uh, this is actually a very impressive win for him. Uh, you know, the Cardinals on the other side, Murray didn't do himself any favors, some critical interceptions, you know, despite that defense being a little bit, uh, you know, shorthanded, uh, if you will. You know, there's some there's some important interceptions there. He didn't look composed on the final drive when they had a chance to. Uh, I thought with 11 seconds he left, spiked he, would, it, right? he would have spiked it, yep. let everybody collect their breath and then go unless he thought he was catching the defense off guard. But he was very one, the one that looked to be caught off guard in that situation. So uh, real, real, real quick on the interject there, I. I did not realize you can't spike the ball if you're in shotgun. So if you're in shotgun, the defense knows automatically to go ahead and rush the quarterback because you're unable to spike the ball. But it sure sure seemed like the offensive line didn't realize that if you had spiked the ball, that's an intentional mm-hmm. grounding. But if you are under under center, you're allowed to spike the ball. I had mm-hmm. no idea that rule was a thing. Yeah, so couldn't he have walked up under center and done it? I mean, it would have taken a yes, couple more but I'm, I'm saying the defense oh. knew he's passing the ball because he's in shotgun. He can't spike yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have, I didn't catch that on first glance. So, uh, so yeah, very, very good, uh, good observation there. So, um, I mean, beyond that, uh, what, what do we take away from the Cardinals here? I mean, uh, Chase Edmonds did not get at activated here. James Conner had a great day. I mean, he scored both his rushing touchdowns on the ground. He, he from a yards per carry mm-hmm. standpoint, he's not doing much, but nine catches for 99 or 94 yards that, you know, that's supposed to be the Edmonds role. I wonder, uh, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of James Conner owners that make 
that made the playoffs and aren't, aren't quite sure what they're going to do here when Chase Edmonds comes back. So uh, that was interesting. I mean, I think Connor's earned himself the lead back role, though, with Edmonds, you know, maybe a change of pace at best in this situation, especially if they want to save him for, you know, the real life playoffs, though. So, uh, yeah, Connor was, uh, you know, I only had him in best ball and I had him in one league where, you know, it wasn't necessarily I wasn't strateg- specifically targeting Connor. Um, it was more. I'm going to get Connor and I'm <laughs> going to get Edmonds for $11 total at the auction. And, and I'll have the backfield at least one of them will go. And before the Edmonds injury, I was starting Connor and Edmonds at the same time in, in a lot of weeks because that was going. Uh, I didn't really, you know, this wasn't a call that I saw coming necessarily. I thought it would be the Chase Edmonds show. Injury, of course, helped with that. But Connor had been playing well since early on in the season. I know Coventry, one of our Rotowire guys, was all over the Connor calls. So, you know, big kudos to him. Um, but he's been a. Low key. I mean, when you have the lead back on the arguably the best offense, you know, it was always the argument for Edwards Hilaire or Daryl Williams when 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 Clyde Edwards Hilaire was hurt. When you have the lead back on the best offense, uh, it's going to be fantasy productive here. And uh, he's helping himself out by becoming a dynamic pass catcher, too. And you wouldn't think that with a guy like Murray who would tuck and run as opposed to dump it to his back. But uh, they did a great job getting the ball to Connor in open field. And, uh, you know, a few things, a few breaks go their way, go the other way. Then, uh, you know, this game could have easily been very different. I feel like you're spoiling what's going to be the uh, end of season podcast review for us, where we're discussing uh, the the top fancy award winners uh, this th- this season, whether it be James Conner or Jonathan Taylor. We'll, we'll get to that. We have a we have a we have we're running a little late this year because of ad deals, so we're running into January, which is geez, this is the longest schedule we've ever had before. We're gonna have to make up some content for you. So award show it is. I'll wear my I'll wear my suit and tie that day. Oh, I like that. We need Jake in the suit and tie. That's perfect. Uh, otherwise, from that game as well too, DeAndre Hopkins kind of struggling a little bit has been surprising. He was a guy that I was high on him. Frankly, it wasn't because I didn't get enough or it wasn't because I didn't want to get enough shares of him. I never wanted to draft at that price. And it's a philosophical thing. If you were taking DeAndre Hopkins, you had to more or less say, I'm not taking a running back early on. And that's normally not a strategy I like to employ. I did have 15 leagues this year. Probably a third of them were dynasty. So that also cut into that. I've been surprised with how AJ Green has siphoned off some of that production. Christian Kirk did a little bit of a little bit. He had two big plays and that was about it. That certainly helped my uh, beat Joe Bartle NFFC team, which has advanced on to the $200,000 uh, zone right now. We took second place uh, in our top 500. So I am jacked about that. But uh, this is important now, Jake, because every time you and I are discussing about these waiver wire pickups, just know you're making the $200,000 decision for me right now. So there is pressure on you as well as the listeners, uh, all the many millions of listeners out there that are relying on you, Jake. Well, thankfully, the uh, the scope has narrowed down this week. There are only a handful of players at each position that become viable pickups. And I think, uh, you know, we're also catching some breaks because there were a lot of, uh, you know, there are a lot of teams that were out of it, you know, not even competing for the playoffs over the last couple of weeks. So some of our headline pickups this week you know has some depressed ownership uh and uh, you'll be able to pick that up and ideally unless there is a big consolation bracket penalty or it's a dynasty league or uh or some other extenuating circumstances here we're at the point where only six teams tops are should be messing around on the waiver wire you really don't want to be that guy who's uh messing around with no real incentive i mean your last place right. probably right. decided um and uh, so, so there are less teams around. This is also a time when I'm thinking, you know, there's a pickup this week that I would consider dumping the whole budget on. And, uh, you know, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, uh, you know, hopefully the guys that we talk about are more readily available now, uh, given, you know, maybe a little less interest among the rest of the league. That's why that's why I feel like you always have to have stakes, whether it's our stake league doing doing the stake bet going to the end or, uh, you know, some kind of dynasty implication uh, there or some kind of last place penalty. Uh, you know, we could do a whole show on last place penalties. Maybe that's our January show. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it helps to have something to uh, keep people involved. But I think in the great majority of leagues here, we're not going to have a uh, a ton of, uh, you know, competition on the waiver wire. You're competing with the teams on the playoffs. And hopefully in a lot of those situations, you know, the playoff teams are, they're set with their roster. You know, you should always be, uh, should always be improving your roster and hopefully will help you. But, um, but yeah, let, let, let's get after it here. Yeah. We have a couple of really good questions in the comment section that don't necessarily pertain to what we're doing, at least in our rundown, right? We try to go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, your waiver wire pickups each and every week. And especially for those out there 
who are in the playoffs, there's going to be some priority level for that. But I do want to get to a few of those questions at the end of the show before we really dive into the quarterbacks, uh, streamer options, and 2QB stuff. Let's get a word from our sponsors here from Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back. Uh, so at least from quarterback, we talked about Jimmy G last week and Taysom Hill, and both ended up having fantastic weeks, especially Taysom mm-hmm. Hill, who I think has, has more or less confirmed, mallet finger or not, you might want to have him as the low end quarterback one conversation, depending on certain matchups. And we'll probably get to that as we do the show the rest of the season. But for now, I think this week it's going to be really interesting as a streamer. We probably have to start first with Tua Tagovailoa, who's going against the Jets, who just allowed Taysom Hill to have another 25-plus fantasy point game. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. This is, uh, I think he's got to be the number one pickup this week. You know, you get him at only 33% rostered here, and, you know, you're benefiting from the fact that a lot of teams on bye, uh, you know, dropped him or, or dropped him while he was on the bye and went to the other streamers, so go ahead and get him. I think you could easily start Tua in one-quarterback formats here, and you know, he's getting, he's getting healthy. You know, I mean, Waddle's breaking out. Uh, Devonte Parker is, you know, our, he's right at the edge of our threshold. He could be one of our top overall pickups this week. He's getting volume. So now they're starting to get some rhythm here and they've got the, uh, they've got the best, uh, one of the best matchups for opposing quarterbacks. So he's got to be in consideration as well, but man, if you have to pick between Tua and another Jimmy Garoppolo week, it is really, 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 really agree. close for me. Jimmy G is only 30% rostered. He gets the Falcons, who on defense hasn't done anything spectacular. And, you know, he's had a couple of good weeks or decent weeks in a row, passable weeks at least, if you're in a two-quarterback format here. And he hasn't even been fully healthy. I mean, the chemistry with him and Kittle has always been there. Kittle's looking like a, you know, he's carried one of my teams into the playoffs on his own. And I'm looking forward to having him throughout the rest of the playoffs here. But, you know, he hasn't been fully healthy. Last week, the backfield has been, you know, super banged up. It ended up being Jeff Wilson's show with a little bit of Debo Samuel mixed in. Debo Samuel is basically RB2, you know, with uh, with Mitchell out, and, mm-hmm. you know, Hasty, not really, you know, all those. You run down the laundry list of backs. And then two weeks ago, you know, he was doing it without Debo. So it was basically Kittle and uh, a lot of attention on Ayuk. And, I mean, when you have Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk around, I think it's better for IU getting looks and uh, the offense is starting to click here at the end of the year. I think they've resigned that it's not going to be the Trey Lance show necessarily, um, you know, for the foreseeable future and uh, or for the foreseeable future as in the rest of this season. And uh, Jimmy G's the guy. So it becomes really difficult. They're both home teams. Um, you know, they're both uh, struggling for something, whether if it's playoff position in the hunt or seeding right. in general. Um, you know, they both have something to play for. It is really, really tight between those two, and it might just come down to availability if I have to pick one. But the question here, when you answer, when you look at, uh, you know, these possible pickups here, we're in the playoffs right now. You have to look at your roster, look at starting quarterbacks and who made the playoffs. Who realistically are we going to bench this week? Now, I know Mahomes does not have a good matchup, but you're not realistically going to bench Patrick Mahomes in just about any situation. So I looked on the list, and some guys with maybe tougher matchups that you think about benching, uh, Joe Burrow is one. He's at Denver. You never know whether it could be a factor, and even if not, Denver has a very good pass defense. They're one of the best against opposing quarterbacks. And I know Taysom Hill was great, and uh, and, uh, t- and and Tampa Bay has been you know susceptible to giving a lot of points last week. But when you stack up Taysom Hill against guys like Tua and Jimmy G, it gets really close for me, and I think I'd rank them I think I'm going to rank him to a Jimmy 
and then uh, and then maybe taste them. I think he could sneak into our threshold in a few in a few leagues necessarily. Um, do you see that any differently at all? I I actually agree every way with that ranking, and I'll say I will play Tua and Jimmy G over Joe Burrow this week. You, I, I'm glad that you brought up some guys that maybe you talk about benching. Mm-hmm. Normally, I do my Yahoo rankings directly after this podcast, so I could probably tweet it out like, "Who are these?" streaming quarterbacks I'll play over guys that you possibly start. And I, I think that's kind of an interesting question. And actually, in fact, we have Jay Reed, uh, Jay Red, I'm sorry, asking a similar question, but he's saying he's got to buy this week. So next week, and, and this is important, when you are looking at streaming quarterbacks, if you haven't already done this, planning ahead for their schedule is really important. If you know you are weak at a position, particularly quarterback or tight end, there's not really going to be a point where you're grabbing a streaming running back or wide receiver if you've made it to the playoffs and really projecting for that to be the case. But I think quarterback, you can especially get by with it. So he's asking for next week, not this week. He's next week, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, or do I go get Garoppolo or Fields and start one of them over? Garoppolo could be on pace to have three straight good games because if he does well against a match against the Falcons, where they're the 30, 31st worst team in supposing fantasy quarterbacks, the following week, He's got the Tennessee Titans, too. I actually think Garoppolo might be somebody that you're doing a double dip. You're taking away a possible top 12 starting quarterback this week from somebody else and being able to play him next week, too. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking ahead to week 16, though, I mean, Russell Wilson has himself a pretty nice matchup against the Bears here who have, you know, we know what kind of organization that is, and their defense can't even get healthy. Um, Now, again, we've we've been very critical of Russell Wilson on this show I would like to see him have a second consecutive good game of course he's looking good against the Texans everybody looks good against the Texans Um, but Russell Wilson has a pretty good matchup against the Bears you know if you're looking at that group it's Russell Wilson against the Bears Um, I believe Burrow has the Ravens who are also very very banged up in the secondary and Jimmy G gets the Titans also Jimmy G the other variable is a Thursday night I don't know if the short week will have anything to do uh, you know with that decision necessarily but if I had to say right now, I might uh, I might lean on on Russ just in case. But uh, if you could acquire Jimmy G just to give yourself options, um, I think that could be in play too. I think there's a bit of gamesmanship. So if you get Jimmy G, you could possibly have three quarterbacks. But if you are to drop one, you drop Burrow, and and you're assuming like okay, uh, there's gonna be maybe four teams left or six teams left. What are the odds that a team's gonna really need Joe Burrow against the Ravens? It, it, more than likely not. That That's kind of where, again, it's a double dip. You're taking Garoppolo away this week and possibly having him for next week, too. Let's because move on to next week. There are four teams left. You know, there are four quarterbacks. If you change your mind and want to get Burrow, chances are you can. You, you should be able to. Yeah, you should be able to, you know, unless you, you know, look at who else. Look at who this other starting quarterback of the playoff managers are. And, and that should help your your league there. Completely agree. Um, r- Real quick. I mean, it's going to be interesting because. The Ravens say Lamar Jackson is going to play. And I don't know about you, after watching Justin Fields torch the Packers running the ball, a even 75% Lamar Jackson probably is going to be more than efficient against that Packers defense, who has for, what, a decade plus, not had any idea what to do against mobile quarterbacks. The issue is if the Ravens choose to bench Lamar Jackson with the idea, hey, we can make the playoffs even still with Lamar Jackson, uh, not 100%, let's get him saved up a little bit. Tyler Huntley can also be pretty effective on the ground. And he threw for 275 yards in essentially, what, two and a half quarters last week. I mean, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting uh, what the Ravens choose to do. I, I know they want to try out Lamar Jackson, but I honestly wonder yeah. after watching Huntley last week why they would make that decision. Yeah, I mean, Huntley, uh, 27 for 38, 270 and a touchdown in relief, 6 for 45. Um, unfortunately, you know, the bar in Green Bay did not have the red zone on, so I didn't quite to see get to see all of it. I only saw the main games necessarily, but uh, from everything that I can tell, Huntley looked pretty good. And uh, among the two QB options this week, he would probably rank, you know, among the top if he's going to play. I mean, the other guys that I'm going to that I'm going to touch on here when we do when we do kind of our quick hitters, there aren't. I mean, there's not really a lot to like about any of them. Out of all these guys, Huntley has the most upside. It would be smart. I mean, because is Lamar Jackson going to be the most effective runner he can be? I'm sure they've got a special shot that they can stick in his ankle and, uh, you know, numb the pain a little bit. But I don't know if that's exactly the best course of action with your franchise quarterback here. Um, so so there's a lot, a lot to see here uh, going up. I think, um, you know, in like our dynasty league, I'm probably going to make a Huntley bid if he's not, uh, if he's not already rostered and some of these other guys just, uh, you know, just to have just in case, I don't think I would 
let's say Huntley plays against the Packers. I still don't think I rank him above Tua or Jimmy G, but he no. maybe battles Taysom as that QB3. He's a top 20 quarterback against the Packers, yeah. but not top 12. Ranking. Yeah, exactly. So, again, it's mostly a two-quarterback league conversation there. But, you know, again, it all goes out the window if Lamar plays and, you know, he's managing a low ankle sprain. You know, at least it's not the high ankle sprain. I always love how they clarify that this year. Right. Um, but It's uh, become far more important. It has become far more important. And I think fantasy, again, fantasy influencing how the NFL operates. You know, I think that's part of part of the reason there. But Huntley's one of them that you want to watch out for. Uh, the other one is Josh Allen is day-to-day with a sprained left foot. He was spotted in a boot. And uh, Mitch Trubisky is next up. Um, there are two reasons I don't like this. One, because it's Mitch Trubisky. And I finally have, you know, I had nice things to say about him in some past years when I was on the show. But I think those, uh, you know, my meter there has ran out and I don't have many more nice things to say about him. Now he's with a more competent team this time around. But the problem with Mitch Trubisky is he's versus Carolina and at New England is the next two games. Both are top three against opposing quarterbacks. So you have an already bad quarterback um, going up against an incredibly tough fantasy matchup. I mean, the 15 points you're getting out of him in a two quarterback league, you almost want to think about, you know, flexing a, uh, you know, a running back or a receiver in that situation here as opposed to Trubisky. And it's the same, you know, Taylor Heineke last I saw he was getting an MRI on his knee. Kyle Allen is next up there. And then of course uh, with the giants, Daniel Jones is visiting the specialist. He's getting scans this week. I don't know if he'll take back over from Mike Glennon. I don't know how much incentive they really have to do that, but just a couple names to keep an eye on if you're in two quarterback leagues. Yeah, I, I completely agree on the Trubisky and Allen calls. And and same for Mike Lennon. Or, uh, we had talked, what was it? Uh, shoot, I'm Blake the third-string quarterback for the Giants. We mentioned last week because we thought both Daniel Jones and Mike Lennon weren't going to play. I, I think you're really dipping lo- uh, low in those super flex leagues if you're considering any one of those three quarterbacks. Trubisky might have an angle if he didn't have tough matchups against the Panthers and Patriots up, uh, you know, uh, yeah. on, on the docket next. I've got a 10-team super flex where Herbert and Hurts have been my guys all year, but I also picked up Jimmy G. The week oh, yeah, you're fine. Hertz was on by, so the so we had the Minshew and then the Hertz. Now I got to start thinking about, oh, geez, well, man, do I take Jimmy G's matchup or over Hertz or or what am I going to do? They all have great matchups so, to open up the playoffs, so so we'll have to wait and see. Okay, let's move over to the running back position. Um, and we had talked about Rashad Penny a little bit, really the Seahawks running backs as a whole at the end, because it wasn't clear as to who was really going to jump out. Well, I think it's pretty clear now. Rashad Penny had 16 carries for 137 yards and two touchdowns. Yes, you talked about against the Texans. Does that production really matter if it's against the Texans? It's like if a tree falls in a forest, do you really hear it kind of thing? (laughs) That's what I feel like Rashad Penny did against the Texans. But now we have to really consider what's that going to look like? Because Alex Collins really got most of his workload in garbage time when they were up, uh, you know, up big. I think it's Rashad Penny as the guy in that backfield. But what does that mean rest of season? Yeah, so this is the Penny show. As long as Penny and Collins are active, there's really no reason to keep Adrian Peterson up from the practice squad. I think that could very well end up being just a one-week thing. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned the garbage time situation here because, uh, you know, you look at the distribution here. Penny had a 58% snap share, and you probably think, oh, that doesn't stand out a ton. But he basically came out for Carroll. Uh, once we got into garbage time here, or for 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 Collins here, uh, once we got into uh, garbage time there, so um, he's the man, really. I mean, he's at the Rams, and we saw what they just did to uh, James Conner. Um, we got Chicago, we got uh, Detroit, um, Detroit in Week 17 of the fantasy playoffs. I mean, I think this is a point in the season, especially if Russ is playing better. Finally, that's going to help the fantasy matchups here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, Penny's got to be your top overall pickup this week. Uh, and only 21% rostered. You can empty the whole fab budget on him if you need an RB2. You might not need to empty the whole fab budget here if uh, you're in one of those leagues. You want to take a look at uh, you know the other teams in your league and where their fab is at. But uh, really, Penny should be the cover boy of this show on any waiver wire show this week. He seems to be the clear-cut thing. And, you know, we, we again, we briefly mentioned it last week, but Penny is the first-round pick in 2018 you know he has the pedigree he's only 25 years old he should have the skills he's just never had the opportunity before because he's never he's healthy been, yeah he's yeah, big time never healthy never had the opportunity it's always been you know the chris carson backfield there for the last few years um but homer's not going to cut into him they don't really like dj dallas that much 
and uh, clearly Alex Collins is second fiddle here. It looks like Pete Carroll said on Monday that the Seahawks will continue rotating backs, but Penny deserves to be the primary option here. And uh, when he's available in four fifths of leagues, I mean, geez, go get him. I mean, that is that is your the, the decision will be you know whether you start him over your established RB two, not should you bid on him or not, because everybody should bid on him. That, yeah, that's that's a completely mm-hmm. important part, and I think really important to emphasize as well. You need to get him. It's just a question of uh, will you be playing him against somebody else, and, and that's that's key. We'll talk about the Chargers in just a second because maybe we'll get more information uh, as we wait. But let's move over to Lions backfield, which Adam Schefter, I don't know if you saw that, had uh, kind of more or less revealed on Sunday what the Lions back kind of needed to do. It was Craig Reynolds that uh, emerged as the key piece, 11 carries for 83 yards. And you had um, you, you had the, the, Gok Boy, or the Gok Boy guy only get 8 for 25. <laughs> Schefter started Craig uh, Craig Reynolds in his like 16 team war room league, uh, and it seemed like he was kind of teed or keyed in on that he was going to be more of a feature role. So if Schefter is, do we need to be keyed in on Craig Reynolds as well? Well, I mean, it's really going to depend on how DeAndre Swift manages his shoulder injury and um, and uh, Jamal Williams. You know, if he's going to miss any more time being you know on the COVID list. Um, the one thing you can safely say is that Jermar Jefferson, I don't think we teased that, but he was getting a lot of hype before the backfield got cleared up a little bit. Jermar Jefferson was zero carries, only 5% of snaps. He can safely be dropped, but I guess, yeah, it's like, it's the Craig Reynolds show. Um, I mean, God, Godwin Agueba K if you're, if you're really, um, if, if you're really stretching, but he also lost the fumble in the red zone late in the game here. Uh, so, uh, um, it's the Craig Reynolds show and and he's the guy, but I mean, you maybe back up your penny bid with a Craig Reynolds uh, situation here, but there aren't many playoff teams. I think that are really going to be starting a lion's running back necessarily. So that's the other thing that you have to, uh, you know, keep in mind now, granted one of your running backs could go down midweek. And again, that's why you should be bidding on penny anyway, but um, I you know, you don't feel real great about any any, any of these Lions backs. You know, I, I listed the Lions guys. I listed the Chargers guys because we're going to see what the heck's going on, um, you know, you know, with Eckler, who, uh, you know, isn't going to miss time. But then, you know, he, he logged a DNP and you get 10 carries for Josh Kelly, nine for Justin Jackson. Rel- can I explain that real quick? Yeah. Can you please explain that? Because I don't think anybody understands the Chargers backfield after Eckler. And hopefully you can uh, you can give us some clarity yeah so long as my audio actually works this has been a frustrating time today we've had issues a couple of weeks in a row um i, I the the chargers backfield's weird they don't want to give eckler as much workload as they have and actually two weeks ago i thought about writing this down and it didn't really make sense to me or like make sense in context but it feels like it should have been an omen eckler had, had self-admitted this was too much work he he did not want to be getting as many touches as he had been getting which is frustrating um and I think it's because of that backfield, whether it be Jackson Kelly, uh, they had called up uh, Darius Bradwell as well, too, for one week. None of them have been effective, and none of them have been able to take away some of that workload for Eckler. They want a between-the-tackles guy, and they have not been able to get that production out of Kelly and Justin Jackson. Jackson's been hurt so often. I think if Eckler were to miss time, Jackson is the most explosive player for that backfield and does enough of the pass-catching stuff. But I bet you Kelly gets more carries. So, like, Jackson would do eight for 45 and two catches for 20, whereas Kelly gets 14 for 40 because that's just how they see him in their backfield. That's not valuable in any sense of the imagination for either of those players. So that's one of the weird situations where there actually isn't a valuable backup at all with the Chargers' backfield. There isn't a clear-cut guy because they'll end up having their dudes do so much similar stuff that it cuts into everybody. It's like a reverse Patriots backfield. If the Patriots running backs are good, all the backup Chargers backups are bad, but they'd have them do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can break that backfield down better than any of them, and and I hear you there. That's one that, you know, again, we're not going to be able to give a ton of insight on on Tuesday, but maybe by Thursday, Friday, there's a late, a late one you can scoop up. Uh, Julia had asked a question real quick. Is my audio cutting out again here? Mm-hmm. Because Jake's not responding. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, 
Well, you, you, you cut in and out. I can hear you. I can hear you faintly, so I can talk for a while. If okay. You, I can talk about these Dolphins backfields. I'm, I'm basically learning this Dolphins backfield in real time. Man, when I spend an entire day in Green Bay on a Sunday, I, I do have some news to catch up on here uh, necessarily here. So uh, it seems like on Friday, the Dolphins have placed uh, Miles Gaskin, Philip Lindsay, and Selvan Ahmed all on uh, on the um, reserve COVID uh, list. Reserve COVID list, right? And um, it looks like Ahmed and uh, let me see. So Lindsay had already been dealing with an ankle injury. And Gaskin was first on the list, and va- Gaskin was vaccinated. So again, we can talk about this backfield now, but uh, you know. If you look at the snap distribution leading up to the buy, I mean, it was the Miles Gaskin backfield with a little bit of Salvan Ahmed change of change of pace here. I mean, we can talk about this now, but this situation, I mean, I, I, we don't analysts we don't have any way of telling if uh, he'll be asymptomatic for forty eight hours and submits two negative tests twenty four hours apart. So it seems like you know with the Dolphins on bye week fourteen, as long as none of these guys are are you know really. Uh, drastically affected by it i would imagine that the matchup against the jets it's still a gaskin backfield here if if you really wanted to because right now patrick laird's on ir malcolm brown is also on ir but i might i believe he's sneaking up and um you know could make his week 15 return so i guess malcolm brown and duke johnson are the guys that you keep an eye on but you know those are either 16 18 team league guys or they're guys where you're really itching to use the bottom barrel of your roster on a spot but probably won't start i mean if i had to guess now you know after everything i just read right now i would be gaskin you know taking over but uh i'm seeing i did see malcolm brown pop up on a lot of waiver wire lists this week i i I can understand why um but he only has value in any case whatsoever if gaskin's still not cleared i don't think uh that if Malcolm Brown comes up and he's activated in a backfield with Gaskin and Ahmed, I don't think unless he gets the fluky lucky touchdown, I don't think he can be fantasy relevant necessarily, even if it is against the Jets. I would bet it's still the Gaskin show, but, uh, you know, we do a great – there's another waiver wire column on the site on Thursday. I'm sure uh, John and Mario will talk about it in their in, in their preview, you know, what developments there have been in this situation. But uh, the honest answer is it's too early to tell. So I, I have Gaskin in a important league. Um, I will be playing him if he is active. He had the most carries, I think, of his career, but certainly this season, week 11 against the Jets, 23 for 89, then caught a receiving touchdown too. If Gaskin is available, I will be playing him this week in one of my important dynasty leagues, uh, and that would be the guy that I'm highest projected to answer Julia's question. I think if Gaskin's available, he's my guy, and he will be a low-end running back too, a startable running back too, for my team, and I imagine my rankings too, as we could kind of continue on. So, hopefully, my audio stuff won't be as bad as it has been. We'll move over to the wide receiver position before we do that. Let's get a word from our sponsors Yahoo DFS, the NFL season's heating up, and Yahoo is going big on daily fantasy football this season. There'll be a ton of big prize contests throughout the year on Yahoo, including their multi entry contest now being shark free to celebrate Yahoo going big on DFS as well, as well as Yahoo daily fantasy becoming shark free. Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of the free $10 site credit offer to join any pay contest, including Yahoo's biggest contest, the weekly $1 million DFS NFL Baller Contest. The weekly $1 million contest obviously features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 and tons of overlay in prizes. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim that free $10 offer and get started. So wide receivers was the KJ Osborne, Amron St. Brown debate. And I think we ended up making that a uh, board bet. Did we not? Uh, Yeah. What was the result of that? Did I have Osborne? I think you had Osborne and I had St. Brown. And I, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if we ever decided on the format, because if it was a full point PPR, I end up beating you, but in a half point, given that long touchdown pass by that Osborne had on Thursday, you would win from the the Osborne touchdown. There's always some kind of controversy in these, right? I, somehow we didn't see that. I, I didn't think it would matter. I always just assume half point PPR scoring as you know the, the basically the default, but uh, I don't know if we can settle that. Then. So eight, so eight receptions for Amron. Uh, I keep saying it wrong, but that's fine. Uh, eight receptions, seventy three yards. So that puts you at fifteen point three. Amron, th- Amron, thank you, Amron. Uh, it would be fifteen point three points. Osborne with his three for sixty-three. 
uh, and a touchdown is also right around that 15-point threshold in a full-point PPR format too. So I'm going to give you the win on this because if it was half-point, you certainly get the W. But either way, the listeners got a win out of it because I think you could have started both Osborne and mm-hmm. Amron St. Brown and have been effective, and that's what we're looking for on the show. Despite me having to pay you a Culver's meal, I'm okay with the listeners getting the win. Yeah, hey, I'll, uh, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of time for uh, us to even that out you know, over these last few weeks of the season here in the fantasy playoffs where the stakes are, uh, where the stakes are even higher than, than a Culver's meal. But, you know, looking back at, uh, it's not possible looking at the waiver wire for wide receivers this week, it is, it's not good. And I think you still have to look at those two guys, you know, that we talked about, you know, after Amon Ra had his, had his eight catches for, you know, for 12 on 12 targets, but 12 targets is what I follow and what, what interests me. And I mean, KJ Osborne is still only 38% rostered and Thielen's not just going to magically come back here. So uh, you definitely have that big play potential with, uh, with Osborne. Um, Devonte Parker, who I mentioned, you know, we talked about him last week, so I didn't have a whole set related to him, but um, you know, Devonte Parker is only 46% rostered and you could definitely catch some people sleeping. I think, I mean, I think you could sneak in and make him a wide receiver three this week, uh, you know, if you had to, and you'd feel pretty comfortable about that. And, of course, last week we also touched on Guyton, who had the touchdown, but Palmer had surprisingly more receptions here. So, you know, an interesting dynamic there. As far as new names this week, it's all quick hitters, and it's not people that I am totally in love with, but I'm going to try to throw some names out there anyway, just in case. He didn't do great last week. But Jamison Crowder is only 37% rostered, mm. and he's essentially the last man standing for the Jets. Yes, yes, he burned me. In two leagues, I started him. In one I league, I actually, yep. I, I actually took out Guyton to play. Oh, uh, boy. To play I would not James have recommended Crowder. that. <laughs> I still scored 180 points and made the and, and won a points title, so I'll live. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I, I like Crowder. He's a veteran. He can get receptions if he's targeted. But you know what? The main things here is, uh, you know, Corey Davis, he's out for the season with a groin injury. And uh, it was Saturday or Sunday. It was really late that the Jets placed Elijah Moore on IR with a quad injury. So it's looking like he might only be the minimum stay on IR, but that's still three games out. I pretty much cut I cut him in a 10-team league, Elijah Moore, because, you know, even if he does come back for the fantasy championship, it's the Jets' offense. You know, what am I really getting into there? Chances are he'll still be around and available if – um you know, if I really want to get him back. Uh, the other situation, of course, is Braxton Berrios got 10 targets for whatever that's worth. <laughs> yeah. But I would still say that, um, you know, I would still say that on a team that's going to be behind uh, heavily, you know, game flow is always going to go more towards the receivers than the running backs. Uh, I think Jameson Crowder is still very interesting to me at 37% rostered as one of the last men standing there here. Um, and as far as new names, I would still take KJ Osborne over Jameson Crowder. I would maybe take Amon Ross St. Brown over Jamison Crowder. I would definitely take Devontae Parker over Jamison Crowder. Mm-hmm. But as far as new names this week, um, you know, Crowder gets in the mix for me. Yeah, I, I also started Crowder in one league that I needed him, and he was awful. Definitely frustrating. Um, and, and I don't want to rely on the Jets if I can from a pass-catching perspective. That's not not fantastic for me. The Dolphins mm-hmm. secondary is really good, but if there's one weakness, it's in the slot. It could be Braxton Barrios. It could be Jamison Crowder. But I think that's where the funnel will be end up going for that uh, offense. Let's go to Robbie Anderson. Actually, you already have a, a nice write-up for Robbie Anderson. But Mike asks, Robbie Anderson or uh, St. Brown? And I think I'll kind of toss it to you and give your overall thoughts on those debating two players. Um, Man, it would be a different story if the Bills had Tredavious White back because – um, you know, Robbie Anderson is going up against the Bills, and they are still the number one defense against opposing wide receivers here. So I'm not ready to, uh, you know, crazy jump on Robbie Anderson after one good week. You could say one that was matchup. You could say two, it was maybe game plan with the new offensive coordinator getting something going. But, uh, you know, he's still got Cam Newton throwing him the ball. Uh, it might depend on me to me. Again, we get these these questions that are a little bit impossible right now. But DJ Moore is dealing with a hamstring injury, and he is he pulled his hamstring in Sunday's loss, and he is day to day. Now, if DJ Moore does not get back on the practice field this week, then I think why not go with Robbie Anderson? But I'm not necessarily excited about either of these options. Um, 
you know, Robbie Anderson's situation. You know what he's capable of. We've all seen it in the past here, but, uh, you know, he hasn't been big scoring and the targets haven't necessarily been big. You know, before the bye week, he had weeks of one, three, six, six, and four targets. Uh, you know, if you didn't have the Robbie Anderson name next to him, he'd be on the waiver wire in every single league leading up to this bye week. And uh, so now you have to decide, are you going to chase that Atlanta box score and play him against the toughest matchup in the entire NFL for him? Or are you going to go to uh, a Lions receiver? And it's not a good dilemma to have here. But I'm thinking, you know, as I read more about the DJ Moore situation, I'm thinking maybe Robbie Anderson would be my guy. But again, that could I could change my mind based on how those injury reports look throughout the rest of the week. Yeah, I think the key part of this is what were the Panthers' offense going to look like after they fired their offensive coordinator? Joe Brady was gone. He, he mismanaged Terrace Marshall, who was our favorite guy at the beginning of the season. DJ Moore was being miscast as well, too. Well, now you have Robbie Anderson, who we knew was talented. And honestly, you look at his career totals, it's like, yeah, I'm absolutely Joe Brady deserved to be fired given what he's done to Robbie Anderson's numbers, who had been otherwise consistent for both the Jets and Panthers' offense, which are by no means crazy ones. Uh, at, at all over the course of his career. I think it's Robbie Anderson, too, because the target share is going to be there. And I have more, I mean, that that's the upside potential, too. So if you have a similar target share and you have an upside potential with Robbie Anderson, regardless if it's Cam Newton or P.J. Walker throwing the ball, I think you have to go Robbie's direction, although it is a tough one to make for sure. Yeah, I mean, on a week that's pretty barren for wide receivers, you have to throw him in here. Um, I'll hit some other quick hitters just based on targets. Uh, Rashad Bateman had eight targets, which was the same as Hollywood. Now, I don't know if that's some like second team chemistry with Hunt- Huntley and, yeah. uh, you know, if that changes. Excuse me, if, uh, you know, if Lamar doesn't play. So that was interesting as I was sifting through box scores. And then under Davis Mills, uh, Nico Collins of the Texans had got 10 targets. He's kind of been very fringe on the fantasy radar. He has a game, then disappears for a little while. Uh, but again, I'm following the targets here. And then, of course, Scary Terry, who, you know, was a big disappointment to anyone fighting for a playoff spot this week. Not entirely his fault on account of him being in concussion protocol. If you look at who's up next on this Washington football team depth chart, Cam Sims had the most yards, 69 uh, and Adam Humphreys had the most targets with seven here. And Ricky Seals-Jones, a tight end that we talked about last week, um, you know, I think he had one catch, so he wasn't really super involved here. So, I mean, you know, if you're really grasping at straws here, you can go to Cam Sims or maybe even Humphreys. I think I would take Sims just because, you know, maybe more raw talent would equal a better big play. Um, but, again, it, it, it's a real tough call there. So, uh, you know, I'm still, again, the summary of this wide receiver segment is you're still looking at KJ Osborne. You know, you're still Robbie Anderson is very much in play. You're still looking at Amonra, Amon Ra, and you're still looking at Devontae Parker here, who is 46% rostered. I would argue maybe that Devontae Parker might rank number one on, on yes. the entire list. You know, I, over I, Robbie I Anderson, 46%. That's probably the first name that you need to put in. I mean, when he was when he was healthy earlier in the season, I think the trend was, uh, you know, I know I've said this, this stat on the show before. He's gotten seven or more targets in every single game that he's been healthy. I mean, clearly uh, Tua has some kind of trust in him and likes to look to him a little bit. Uh, in fact, his five targets against the Giants the, before the week 14 bye was the lowest against the season. I mean, he had 11 targets against Buffalo and then his first four games of the year, 7-9, seven, 7-9. Nine, seven, nine. I mean, he is clearly part of this offense he's had time to get healthy to get back from his injury he could be a difference maker in the playoffs I mean the Jets actually have a decent ranking against wide receivers because they the game flow makes the opponents use running backs but New Orleans and Tennessee in week 16 and 17 uh, both of them are you know New Orleans is 27th against wide receivers and Tennessee is second to last so uh, it's a great fantasy schedule you've got a developing emerging quarterback in two on a team that's looking for a playoff spot uh, he's a great compliment to Waddle, and he's probably your number one guy. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, it's interesting. We really don't have a lot for tight ends, so we could probably take a few questions here at the end too, unless you want to interject mm-hmm. with any other. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can do a thirty-second tight end spiel. I mean, there there ain't nothing out there. Well, right? let's uh, here. Let, let me hit my uh, read with Thrive Fantasy, and then we can go back to the tight ends, and I'll mm-hmm. throw you some user questions throughout the show. That sound good? Yeah, let's okay. do it. Uh, Thrive is back for another fantasy season, and they're running huge guaranteed contests each week this end of the season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim that RotoWire subscription. Go to visit uh, rotowire.com slash thrive. So rotowire.com slash thrive. 
Deposit a minimum of $10. You'll receive back 100% of that deposit to bonus up to 100 And then you play in your first paid contest and receive, boom, that free six-month RotoWire subscription. So, again, rotoware.com slash thrive. Then you deposit at least $10. At least $10. You'll get back 100% of that bonus up to $100. Then you play in your first paid contest and you receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription that'll get you set for basketball season. Hopefully, as long as the baseball lockout ends, that'll carry you through most of baseball, too. So definitely a good deal out there from Thrive Fantasy. Okay, Jake, I'll find some user questions here, but give me that 30-second spiel on tight end real quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know Tyler Conklin didn't have the greatest of games on uh, Thursday night, but I still will hold that he's going to be a red zone threat. Uh, you know, in the absence of Thielen, who was a major, major red zone target here. So Conklin is still in play for me. Um, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones didn't do much, but he was his first game back. And uh, we were not getting Logan Thomas back. Uh, you know, Cole Komet is always going to be very fringy with the Bears. You know, you pick his good week, you pick his bad week. We'll see. Uh, and Gerald Everett interests me a little bit for whatever reason. Um Russell Wilson doesn't target DK Metcalf so much anymore. Um, I saw an interesting message board post, but over the last four weeks, the Lockett versus Metcalf targets and production numbers. Um, it was uh, it was ridiculously over. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a rumor about um, I don't know how far I can get into that, given the uh, context of our show. But there's a little OnlyFans for some rumor um, involving, you know, some. I, again, I will say uh, nothing more than that. But uh, you know, there's a rumor as to maybe why Russell and DK are not getting along so hot. We, we and to that? be completely honest, Is it Sierra, I would not necessarily Google that. Um, if you're at, <laughs> don't Google it if you're at work. Uh, if you're at home, do do what the heck you want. That's um, crazy because he had the Tyler Lockett Golden Tate thing too. Yeah, yeah. What's going on in Seattle? But again, listen, I don't like to buy into these kind of crazy rumors here, but. I can't think of a better explanation as to why he won't target DK Metcalf. Um, and I'm not even mad because I unfortunately did not. I wanted DK Metcalf shares going into this year, and I unfortunately did not get that many of them. Um, but anyway, all of this is to say that with DK Metcalf's targets seemingly on the decline, uh, whatever their beef is uh, not getting resolved, um, Gerald Everett seems to be... An, a decent boomer bust red zone guy. Now he'll make a great play and then he'll do something silly and, and re that'll result in an interception or, or, or he'll have a bad drop. So it's back and forth, but I think they're going to eventually use him. And, you know, if you're picking tight ends in the Conklin range, you're hoping you catch lightning in a bottle and you get that touchdown. So, you know, Everett and Conklin are two guys that you can maybe hope, you know, that might happen uh, because, you know, if you're still waiting for, uh, for Darren Waller, for example, even Foster Morrow got banged up this week. So, like, what are you going to do with that? It, it, it's a bad landscape this late in the year. See who has dropped recently. Maybe somebody on a bye got dropped. But uh, otherwise, again, you're going with these boomer bust, Conklin, Everett-type touchdown guys. That's uh, give, give me the streaming defenses, too. The streaming defense is here. Uh, the only one that really stands out is Miami at 49%. You got them against the Jets. They're the top one on my list. Otherwise, you know, you, you can go through and play the matchups, but uh, they're the top streaming defense for the week. We don't need to spend a ton of time on that. Fair enough. So we have a couple of questions, and this will be kind of interesting. So Julia asks, do you play OBJ versus AJ Green? And then also throw Mike Williams too. So OBJ, AJ Green, or Mike Williams. Mike Williams Plays Thursday against the Chiefs. He was a DMP, listed DMP, on Tuesday's practice, which is a little bit interesting. We don't quite know if Keenan didn't Allen's play, back yet or not. Show up? He, he, he played Sunday against the yeah, Giants, yes. He got activated from COVID. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, let me see here. You know, I wish I could get a – my gut says uh, OBJ because game flow will dictate that they will not need to use, uh, you know, A.J. Green. Is, is, is how I'm going to go with that. Seattle tends to play the Rams a little bit uh, tougher, you know, even if they're not necessarily in the playoff hunt. No, OBJ, one thing we didn't talk about in the Monday Night Football tar or a recap is he was targeted, what, five times, four or five times more than Van Jefferson. I always thought of them as equals. Jefferson only had an equivalent fantasy game because he had the big, big score. OBJ is someone whose stock is rising, and uh, I think that'll be a more competitive game. So that's who I roll with here. I, I tend to agree. And if it was between A.J. Green and Mike Williams – Let's just say Mike Williams is going to play, and we don't know. We're, we'll probably have that figured out closer to Thursday, obviously. I would rather lean Mike Williams, and my reasoning, at least in the chat, was that's going to be an offensive explosion between the Chiefs and Chargers. I don't see a lot of defense being played, and I want the guy that's going to be in the highest-scoring game. I mean, Vegas probably has that over-under in the 53 range, which will probably be the highest in the Week 15 slate. 
Williams had seven for 122 and two touchdowns when they played earlier this season. He hasn't been doing that lately. I get it, but that's the potential that he easily has. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's definitely ahead on this list too. Uh, I evidently snuck in a question. This is a Joe B, which is it's not me. I'm, I'm joking, Jake. Don't don't freak out. But a different Joe B asks AJ Green or Tim Patrick. Man, um, you know, I'm I guess I'm leaning AJ Green, but again, that's a that's a gut thing. You know, Patrick only got five targets against the Lions, and I know that's some game flow. Yeah, um, they had that but, win locked up when they started the game. Yeah, exactly. But you know, with Sutton and Judy back around, even Sutton, you know, didn't really have that great of a game. But uh Tim Patrick has not gotten more than six targets in a single week since week five. I don't necessarily see that changing against the Bengals this week. And the other thing is uh, you know, Patrick has some tough fantasy matchups down the stretch too. So he's not necessarily someone you need to hold on to. So uh I I guess AJ Green, but you know, that's not really uh you know, it's not really something I'm saying with a lot of confidence. Check the waiver wire because couldn't St. Brown or Devontae Parker or any of these guys possibly be available? I, I like most of them mm-hmm. over A.J. Green and Tim Patrick. Yeah, I'd probably play Osborne over both those guys, too. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one as well, too. Last question for you, Jake. Uh, Julia is asking, which platform do you specifically enjoy when doing best ball? And honestly, this could be a great question that we do in that final uh wave uh, like wild card weekend podcast as well too mm-hmm. as we round up the fantasy season but uh specifically is there a platform in which you like to play best ball on we were underdog sponsors to begin the season yeah. so we have had a lot of success with them but i know there's lots of others out there so i gotta yeah i mean really i, I have to hand it over to our sponsors right uh, i mean yahoo play, makes an excellent best ball game i like how you can keep it in the same account with their dfs and of course you know i'm looking at my lineups in my yahoo leagues anyway so you know hats off to yahoo's game it's a couple years old. It's new, but uh, it, it works awesome. And then again, yeah, Underdog. I've uh, I've been pleasantly surprised with how much I've enjoyed the Underdog app. Uh, you know, it, it takes me it takes me a little while to get really into you know some of these new uh, some of some of these newer sites to download an app, make an account, and all that. But uh, they're well worth it. And I'll be doing best balls on Underdog. I'll be doing a lot of best balls on Underdog next year. Hopefully, we'll get some going during the off season with our listeners. We mm. only did one. We only did one listener one. I think you and I are both dominating that, or at least we're like three and four or two and three. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty close. I mean, I'm definitely (laughs) in contention. So uh, I don't know. Maybe if you guys want to get beat by us next year, we can get something set up (laughs) a little bit more. Um, But no, thank you to everybody who uh, you know is doing that. But yeah, those are really the only two players, as far as I know, in best ball. There's been some that have tried it on and off and have kind of sold the game and and sent it because it's not something they want to manage. But uh, yeah, those two look like they're here to stay um in best ball and of course sponsors and friends of the show uh absolutely and yes jeff please let's let let the travis kelsey do something on thursday i just acquired him a couple weeks ago in a blockbuster trade that allowed me to dump off waller but haven't gotten much from uh from kelsey there so far so we'll see we'll see what happens and uh and then bambo here rest of season playoff schedule who do you trust more kittle or kelsey i mean man what a luxury luxurious position to be in here right (laughs) Right. i mean you trust Kittle more because of recent production. You can't argue with that, but unless you're in a four-team league, you're probably starting one and flexing the other. Yeah, I can't possibly see Kelsey going on a bench because you know the moment that happens, it's going to be 100 yards and two touchdowns. So, Yeah, I tend to – tend to real quick also, um, we had uh, Jeff ask, Arizona-Miami defense, Miami faces the Jets, Arizona gets the Lions. To me, this is a no-brainer. Cardinals every the whole way. Uh, but I just want to make sure you're, you're, you're fine with that too. Yeah. I guess I would rank the Cardinals a little bit higher, but this is a coin toss situation who gets the big play off the turnover here. And that could equally happen to both, to both teams because both offenses that they're facing are equally bad here. There's, you know, I, I, th- I think Jim does it when he answers fantasy questions, he gives you a confidence rating or, or some analysts do this because, you know, a question like that between two defenses playing really crappy teams, that's truly a coin toss on who gets the right play. You know, it could matter. It could come down to who steps out of bounds on the return. You know, um, it's really tough. Uh, you know, I guess I'd say Arizona, maybe 55% confidence in that situation. Both are good plays. Okay. Uh, all right, great. That does it for us on the week 15 edition of the show. Crazy to think about. We're mid December, Jake, you will have a new co-host uh, in two weeks. I'll be celebrating my birthday. We have already, you, you are just fine about this now, which is fine. But uh, there's going to be a surprise in the works for me uh, on my birthday, which is, I guess, 
Uh, my wife wants to make sure the golden birthday thing, which I think is a joke, uh, 29 years old, is actually a legitimate thing. So we're going to be going somewhere for that. So in two weeks, new co-host for you. Uh, but next week, we'll also I'll be here with you to get you set. And I'll be back again to round out the end of the season. Uh, and we'll talk some fantasy, get you set for next year. All the good stuff. I'm looking forward to it a lot. And uh, again, mm-hmm. thanks for Wimbet for sponsoring the show. Uh, thanks, Jake, for being here each and every week. And hopefully, for everyone out there right, listening, this gets you set for the playoffs. And I, I want real quick, and I'll tweet this out too. Send me your teams that missed the playoffs if you had Jonathan Taylor. I, I want to, like, I feel like that has to be like a 97%. You get to the playoffs if you have Jonathan Taylor. I'm curious to know if there are any leagues out there or any uh, rosters that didn't make the playoffs with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so I can commiserate with you, or at least uh, tease our our good old guy Harry Thompson, who has Jonathan Taylor missed uh, the playoff league that I'm with him, uh, and and I was teasing about that earlier. So send me those if you have any, if there are any actually out there, listeners, uh, and tune in next week as we get you set again for the divisional round, probably of your playoffs.